Welcome to TIFF Talk, sponsored by Endogastric Solutions, a podcast that interviews physicians and real-life patients about the most common gastrointestinal disorder, GERD, commonly known as chronic acid reflux. Listen to patients and physicians interact, break down the disease from different perspectives, and learn how taking the next step in your treatment can change your life. For our audio listeners, you can see visuals on our YouTube channel at GERD Help. The TIF procedure may or may not be appropriate for your health condition. Only your doctor can explain the benefits and risks of all treatment options. Results may vary. Visit GERDHelp.com for more clinical data. The TIF procedure for reflux was developed by Endogastric Solutions Incorporated. Good afternoon, Facebook viewers. Welcome to our TIF talk. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Dr. Keith Goldberg. Uh, welcome, with, uh, welcome, Dr. Goldberg, and thank you for being here with us today. So, uh, Dr. Goldberg is a board-certified uh, American Board of Surgery and fellow of the American College of Surgeons. You're in advanced training in general vascular and laparoscopic surgery. Um, you also have clinical interest in uh, robotic and minimally invasive procedures, uh, and especially the TIP procedure for reflux, right? <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, trying to do everything I can with the TIF procedure. Wonderful. Well, we're very happy to have you here today. And everybody that uh, joined us today, thank you for joining us. Um, as you all know, this is a live event, and at any time, if you have any questions, please go ahead and type them in the chat box, and we will do our best uh, to answer your questions. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. And Dr. Goldberg, we're going to go ahead and start. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about GERD. Can you give us a scientific explanation to what is GERD and acid reflux? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. So, you know, listen, that's why we're here today. Uh, we're here to talk about GERD, which is gastroesophageal reflux disease. And essentially, it's any contents from your stomach, whether it's acid, whether it's bile, whether it's food, refluxing back up your esophagus where it doesn't belong. Uh, acid reflux, kind of a more layman's term for it. Again, what people are associated with is that acid or that heartburn uh, sensation there. Perfect. Thank you. Doing a little bit of fun thing um, on our TIFF talks. Um, we call it factor fiction. So there's a lot of patients that are on here who, um, you know, there's some myths about what GERD is and what acid reflux is. And so we just kind of compiled a little bit of them and maybe you can play a little along with us. Um, so first one, factor fiction. Uh, can GERD impact anyone regardless of age, fact or fiction? Oh, absolutely fact. Yeah, it really, I mean, anyone from from, uh, from a newborn uh, to, uh, you know, to, to well-advanced age can suffer from reflux. Okay, uh, here's another one. GERD can be a cause of sleep apnea, fact or fiction? Yeah, well, actually, you know, one of the uh, unusual uh, cases of GERD would be people that aspirate or, or, or people that reflux while they're sleeping, kind of going up and, and causing inflammation or either coughing, et cetera. So it can be associated with it. Okay. 
So tell us a little bit more. You know, we've got a lot of questions from uh, viewers um, from Facebook Live and also on our uh, pages, our communities where they uh, talk. Can you talk a little bit about the different um, symptoms, whether they're typical symptoms or atypical symptoms that someone could have if they're suffering from GERD? Sure. You know, I, I like to start off with letting people know that, that all types of GERD uh, are essentially the same, that, that GERD is an anatomy problem. It's not an acid problem. It's a problem with the lower esophageal sphincter of the valve. Uh, not functioning properly. So, of course, the typical symptoms people really think about that are kind of easy are heartburn uh, after eating, an acid taste coming up into the chest or into the mouth. Um, some of the uh, more challenging ones are just simply upper abdominal pain, which may or may not be GERD. Uh, and then some of the, the respiratory uh, symptoms that you mentioned. So people come to me with chronic cough, clearing of the throat, a sensation of something uh, in the back of their throat. Uh, so those are the people with, with kind, of a, kind of a range of symptoms with GERD. Sure. Okay. There are some so, people that have no symptoms. Go ahead. Right. No, no, no. That's, so that's a, good, that's a good point. Some people that don't have symptoms. So how do they um, get diagnosed that they do have GERD if they're not having any symptoms of GERD? Well, unfortunately, some of those patients really present with advanced cases because they don't have the symptoms. So, for example, uh, when acid or reflux is coming up the esophagus over years and you're not complaining of typical heartburn, people can get cellular damage. They get damage to the esophagus, something called Barrett's esophagus, sure. or they may present with something like a stricture. All of these can increase the risk of getting esophageal cancer. Uh, so that's, you know, of all of these problems, that's the absolute worst one and the one we absolutely want to avoid. Perfect. Yeah. So does, can GERD cause uh, esophageal cancer? Uh, the short answer is yes. Uh, so GERD can cause and contribute to a type of esophageal cancer called adenocarcinoma. And the, the way that works is that the, the acid reflux damages the cells of the esophagus and the human body trying to be smart about it changes those cells. It tries to turn them into a protective cell. Therefore, it doesn't burn as much and you don't feel as much. And that's called Barrett's epithelium. Those cells can then degenerate over time with constant change and constant injury, and they can really just make one small change and form an abnormal cell or what we call dysplasia. That can then over years potentially progress to esophageal cancer. And of course, esophageal cancer is, is the fastest growing cancer over the past 30, 40 years in the United States, and it's also one of the, the worst as far as cure. Right. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, we get lots of questions about about that. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, I know as a, as a surgeon, uh, you're getting cases generally when they're, you know, already either diagnosed with GERD or whatnot or, or a little bit further in their disease state. But what do you generally recommend patients that are suffering from GERD? Um, what do you recommend for them to manage their GERD symptoms even before they even think about having uh, any procedure, um, you know, medic medical therapy, lifestyle modifications? What, what do you generally recommend for that? Sure. No, listen, I think everyone, and unfortunately, a lot of people, by the time they get to me, 
they've already been through a lot of these, but we do forget the basics. And right. so the basics are really living a healthy lifestyle. So uh, one of the one of the causes of GERD can be overstretching the stomach and opening up that sphincter by distending it. So eating your three regular small meals, uh, you know, avoiding foods that, you know, cause reflux. So if you're able to do that, and you say, boy, every time I have orange juice uh, causes heartburn. If you can do without certain foods, certain dietary changes, you can do that. Um, not eating late at night, uh, because again, more people tend to have symptoms when they're lying down at night. Mm -hmm. uh, you can actually elevate the head of your bed a little bit, just like gravity help you at night a little bit. And I usually just re recommend a couple uh, kind of wide, one to two inch uh, patio pavers or blocks mm -hmm. uh, from uh, one of the, uh, the hardware stores under the head of the bed. Pillows really don't work. Wedges can be uncomfortable if you're actually sitting, sleeping up instead of just tilting your bed. So those are some of the, the general things, uh, activity, exercise in the evening, weight loss. And you always want to start with those things. And of course, you know, tens of millions of people can manage their reflux symptoms if they're mild uh, with those modalities. Perfect. Thank you. So I hope you don't mind because we have talked to you, uh, your wife in the past, and she's she's given given us some um, patient testimonials. But just for our viewers, some of you that may or may not know, and hope you don't mind that I'm sharing this. But you, as as not only a physician but also as a husband, uh, your wife also suffered um, severely from from GERD as well. So you saw her suffer through a lot of the things that. Um, that you're speaking about, right? Um, so, and then she also had the the TIP procedure a couple of years ago. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. So we uh, have. Yeah, a, so. Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, so please. we have. A, yeah. <laughs> so we have a couple of questions that have come up. We'll we'll talk more when we talk a little bit more about the TIP procedure, right. but um. So we have a question uh, from a viewer. How suitable is the TIF procedure, TIF procedure for someone who has Barrett's along with GERD? You kind of a little bit, Barrett's. Yeah, no, I, listen, I think TIF procedure for patients with, with Barrett's uh, is a really important factor. Uh, the fact is, is that even with uh, antacids with uh, proton pump inhibitors that most people would be on, uh, that has not been demonstrated to get rid of Barrett's or stop the injury. So even though you're blocking the acid, the reflux is still continuing. It just doesn't burn as much so you may not feel it. So I think it's really important in Barrett's patients to actually look at both. Uh, continuing antacid medication, uh, but kind of belt and suspender, but go ahead and, and repair the valve if you're a candidate to stop the damage. Uh, and then you know you've done everything that you can do. Right, right. So there's a lot of uh, talk uh, these days about PPIs and long-term use of PPIs. Um, there was e even a couple of weeks ago a um, report that came out in regards to PPIs potentially increasing your, um, your probability of getting COVID. Um, as we all know, COVID is such a high topic these days. Do you have um, any input on PPI therapy or uh, patients that are on PPI for GERD or reflux? Well, yeah, you know, I mean, really up until, 
you know, up until now when we're talking with TIF and, and some older procedures, uh, you know, the standard therapy is PPI or, you know, Prilosec and those types of medicines. Uh, felt block the acid, takes care of many people's symptoms. So, you know, we have, you know, well over 80, 100 million of uh, patients in the United States uh, taking those medicines. Uh, the problem is, is that they were never really FDA approved for long-term use. So now after 30 years of using them, we're discovering that there are lots of potential side effects. I know in my practice, I was getting a lot of consults for iron deficiency anemia. And a lot of times, you know, physicians think, oh, well, that must be because someone's bleeding. But the first thing I'd look for is, is that patient on a PPI? Uh, because basically, I like to believe, and, and you think about it this way, there's acid in your stomach, right? I mean, whatever you believe, we have hydrochloric acid in our stomach, uh, and it's there for a purpose, and it's there to help us break down our food into the appropriate minerals and vitamins so they can be absorbed. So blocking the acid, you know, there, there are bound to be side effects. There are a lot of variables, so it's uh, to show that there's potential, you know, things like dementia, um, heart disease, osteoporosis, uh, and all sorts of vitamins, and the list goes on. Sure, sure. So it was breaking up a little bit, but you talked a little bit about osteoporosis. Let's talk a little about the TIF procedure. Do you want to um, explain what the TIF procedure is and how it works? I've been performing that uh, here in uh, Springfield for uh, three years, since 2017. And uh, we've now performed well over 100 of those procedures. And and the, the numbers nationwide and internationally are great. And our numbers here, I think, are even better uh, than, uh, than the national studies. So I've been very happy with it. Uh, and, you know, I've got lots of patients out there that have been very happy, really life-changing, um, especially for patients that medicines don't even work for. Right, right. So we do have quite a few questions that have popped up. Um, hopefully you can still hear me. Just let me know if you can't. And, can. and Okay, fantastic. Uh, so uh, what? So you did talk a little bit. You broke up slightly when you were discussing what the TIF procedure is, but that's okay. It kind of caught up, and we heard most of it. So, what um, what convinced you um, to start doing the TIF procedure? Um, was it your patients? Um, were you frustrated with other options? Um, can you tell us a little bit about sure. that? Yeah, well, of course, I do a lot of endoscopy as well. So I, I, you know, I have a lot of my patients that have acid reflux. And all I was doing was the same things we talked about. We did the lifestyle, we did the diet, uh, and then it was medications. And if the medications didn't work, then we would, you know, give more medications. About three years ago, it was really kind of hitting that the, that the medications were having long-term potential side effects. Sure. Um, and patients still had a number of patients that even with those side effects weren't controlled. Uh, the older surgeries that we did uh, just have a really high side effect profile. Uh, you know, and if you have those patients that you do that Nissen fundoplication on, uh, and if even one of them ends up bloated, uh, they end up, you know, complaining in the emergency room and dissatisfied. And, and that really, it really, it breaks it for you as a physician. So I was looking for something new and I happened upon TIF. Uh, and it had been around since 2007, but it had really been evolving. And that's what I liked about it. It wasn't something that was created and then we just stopped. 
So even since I started doing it, the device and the technique have evolved and changed. And that's just completely different from everything else really that's out there. That once once it was developed, boom, it was done. The, the Nissan fund application has been done the same way for the past 70 years uh, without any revision. And, and that's it's just not appropriate. Uh, right. So that's really what it was. You mentioned my wife earlier in that process. As I went home and mentioned it to her, she got very excited about it. And I said, whoa, you know, let me find out more about it. So as I was <laughs> researching it, she was researching it, too. And, uh, you know, and she wanted to have that done as well. Um, and she's she's been very successful in that regard. Uh, we had another another physician do that for her um, several years ago. And uh, she has been you know off medication since uh, still eats very very well um, <laughs> sorry honey and um, and then um, you know she's even able to take medicine she couldn't take before so things like ibuprofen that used to cause severe reflux for her she can now take ibuprofen if she needs to um, so combination of things and then the amazing thing was is as I was trying to get patients off of proton pump inhibitors I said well great you know we'll transition them to Zantac and all of a sudden, Zantac is off the market. And then follow that with Tagamet off the market because no one has Zantac. And really, at this point, we're left with uh, Tums and Pepsid. Right. Um, you know, we, we just don't have a lot of options anymore. And, um, you know, other than these medications. And then finally, I started really thinking about it, you know, and especially, I mean, in all patients, whether you're 30 or whether you're 60, you know, you're going to have years and years of being on these medications. And, and really, if you have an option for something to actually fix the problem and not just treat the symptoms, um, you know, I was really I was really sold on that. And um, and my patients, like I said, I think have been very thankful for that. Wonderful. Gosh, I couldn't, couldn't have said that any better. Uh, let's we do have some questions. And you had mentioned endoscopy that you do your own endoscopies. Uh, question here is what tests are required for a TIF candidate? So every patient is different, and I think that's really important. My absolute minimum uh, would be, you know, someone who has classic symptoms, uh, mm -hmm. who responds to the medication but either doesn't want to be on it or it doesn't give them full control. Uh, if we do an upper endoscopy, take some measurements, and there is evidence of reflux. And then finally just a swallowing x-ray to make sure that the esophagus is moving appropriately. That's the absolute bare minimum in the perfect candidate. Uh, most patients, I recommend a few other studies, uh, really uh, something called the Bravo pH probe or an acid probe to right. measure the reflux. I think that's a great tool. And so I offer it to my patients on their first endoscopy if we are thinking about doing a procedure to save them a step, because I can do that on our very first endoscopy. Um, those are the, the main ones. There are others, um, right. you know, depending on the patient. Uh, patients with a lot of bloating or abdominal discomfort you want to make sure their stomach is working properly. So there's some stomach emptying studies um, and very rarely some pressure uh, testing studies in the esophagus. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Sorry, there's tons of questions popping up. So right. I'm trying to read them as fast as I can and we will do our best to answer them. Um, what about a hiatal hernia? That's a big question that always comes up. Can I get the TIF procedure if I have a hiatal hernia? You can. And absolutely get the TIF procedure with a hiatal hernia. Uh, now, 
you can have a TIF procedure without incisions completely if you have a small hiatal hernia because the esophagus device can reduce small hiatal hernia. So it's absolutely FDA approved and shown effective for that. I use uh, laparoscopy. I have uh, five less than one centimeter incisions. Don't bother anyone. The diaphragm, which is the hiatal hernia port, would rather do everything at once. Go ahead. Sorry, it was cutting out again in between, but what I think you were saying was that, if you can still hear me, that you do the hiatal hernia repair and the TIF procedure at the same at the same time, correct? Correct. Yeah, correct. okay. And if yes. they have less than two centimeter hiatal hernia, then you can just do the TIF on its own and everything, correct? That is, that is correct. The data is very good for that. Fantastic. Wonderful. So uh, another question that we have, uh, is, is esophageal manometry required or suggested? And I think you talked a little bit about that, right? Yeah, you know, esophageal manometry, I didn't say it by name, is very uncomfortable. Uh, most patients hate it. Uh, you have to be awake. It's a pretty stiff tube going down to the nose, through the nose into the esophagus. Uh, so I think a lot of facilities and a lot of physicians have gotten away from it as long as the patient doesn't have significant difficulty swallowing. And as long as the swallowing x-ray is relatively normal, then I usually don't do manometry. Okay. Thank you. Another question, if the esophagus is damaged, inflammation, irritation caused from GERD, can it heal after the TIF procedure? It, it can, absolutely, uh, because the, the goal is to stop the acid and the damage exposure. So absolutely it can, and it should. Okay, great. Uh, and, and we have a comment from, from a viewer. It's great to hear that the doctor's wife is doing well after the TIF procedure. So, yes, <laughs> it is great to hear that. Uh, it is great to hear. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, let's see. What does the recovery time from the TIF look like, specifically for you and your patients? Sure. So, um, you know, the recovery time, I would say, is, is about a week. Um, and, and really, you know, two, three, four days, you're probably feeling pretty good. There is a prolonged diet that, that we recommend. Now, every physician is a little different. It's a little nuanced. Uh, but, but I would say very similar to, let's say, uh, you know, any other minimally invasive procedure. By one week, you feel, you know, pretty good. And by two weeks, you feel really good. Um, there are going to be some, like I said, some dietary changes initially. Okay. Can you talk a little bit more about the uh, post-op instructions that you usually give patients? You know, what, what does the diet look like? Um, you know, how can they go back to work? Can sure. they exercise? Um, yep. Things. Yep. So first of all, they can go back to work as soon as they feel like it, depending on their job. Now, if they do a heavy job, a heavy lifting job, then I'm going to recommend they be off for six weeks okay. from anything really heavy. So that is a problem for people that have an active heavy duty job. Um, but we want all of that tissue to heal and repair so that this will last for you. Just like any other hernia surgery um, or any other minimally invasive surgery, we want everything to heal up the best we can, and so six weeks. Um, as far as any other activity, my criteria are that you don't require any significant pain medication, that you feel good, you can go back to work. So, you know, I've had 
and I called them out of state to uh, to make sure they were doing okay. Um, but you know, typically three to five days for kind of light procedures and whatnot would be aggressive. It really depends on what you need to do. If you work from home, especially now during uh, kind of the COVID pandemic, perfect because you can zoom all you want uh, after the TIF procedure. Okay? Yeah. Uh, the diet. Uh, again, fluctuates, but but typically it's going to be a liquid diet, a full liquid diet, small volumes frequently for two weeks. Initially, it's going to be very swollen, and you are going to have some difficulty swallowing initially, but very. We want all of those sutures, those serosifuse fasteners for everything to heal before we stress that area. We want the swelling to go down. Usually at about 12 days to two weeks, I see my patients back. And if they're having no problems with that, we move them to a soft diet. And so that's going to be things like pastas and egg. Uh, you can continue the full liquids, protein shakes, yogurts. Um, you know, I do move them usually to kind of a, a real soft mud, uh, chicken salad, uh, well-cooked pastas, and well-cooked vegetables. And really up until, and slow progression up to about six weeks. And I tell my patients, no sandwiches, no sub sandwiches, no steak, chicken, pork chop, anything like that for at least six weeks. We just want to make sure that you're swallowing well, that everything's healed up uh, so as not to have any discomfort. Okay. So do your patients uh, still take PPIs right after uh, the procedure? Do you, tr you, yeah, sure. So so what I do is I let them continue their PPI, certainly for the first two weeks after surgery, make sure they're doing well. Any esophagitis that someone mentioned, any reflux changes they had before, you know, we want all of it up. After that, it depends. So, so you know, Barrett's patients we talked about, I continue, but all other patients, I allow them to discontinue. It is possible that if you've been on them for a long period of time and you just stop them, that you could have a rebound of acid. So oftentimes I'll recommend that they slowly decrease them and wean themselves off over the upcoming weeks. Okay. It varies. But patients can definitely just stop them. If they do fine, they can just... They can just okay, wonderful. We've got another physician uh, watching today. Hi, Dr. Thomey. Um, so he's agreeing with you on a couple of uh, comments that you made in regards to, you know, manometry, and he's also answering some questions. So thank you for being on right. and watching, watching the, uh, the TIFF talk today. Uh, so last thing uh, before we uh, finish off, can you, uh, I know you talked about your wife a little bit and her experience um, with the TIFF procedure. Uh, do you have any uh, success stories or anything that you, you'd like to share with our um, Facebook users? Um, any, any great examples of why the TIF procedure is your, your procedure of choice um, for GERD or reflux? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've got lots of patient, uh, you know, examples. Uh, some of the ones that, you know, without giving patients names, of course, some, you know, some of my favorite were, uh, were uh, just a terrific gentleman early in the process who used to uh, travel on business and would carry a wedge around with him to all the, to all the hotels. 
Uh, and so we ended up evaluating him, treating him, and he was completely cured of that, cured of his reflux. And then several months later, he brought his father in because he said, well, my father's having the same symptoms. I think he needs a TIF. And as I assessed his father, I realized his chest pain was not reflux. And I instructed them to immediately go to his cardiologist. And it was one of the first times that I've ever received a letter back from a cardiologist thanking me for saving his life uh, because the gentleman had been having angina uh, and was about to have a major heart attack. And so he, he went right into surgery and had a, you know, had a procedure done. Uh, and so, you know, again, it's important when patients wonder why they have to have all of this testing and the appropriate testing, we need to make sure you, that you're the appropriate patient and that we're doing the appropriate procedure for you. And one other comment on that, because sometimes, you know, I, I, I'm online, I, I watch people saying, oh, this didn't work for me and that didn't work for me. Um, and I always want them to come see me. Uh, because sometimes I wonder if they actually had the right procedure for the right disease. And, and it's really important for them to work with their physician on that. Yeah, no, that's great. Wow, what a story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess this is a question that gets asked all the time. Is it safe right now for patients to come in um, for these types of um, a diagnostic testings or get the TIF procedure, given that the COVID situation so maybe sure. you can talk a little bit about the precautions uh, that you're taking at your hospital and, and what your thoughts are on the safety of coming in for those types of um, procedures or diagnostic testing. Sure. Well, well. first of all, here here in Springfield in Northcrest, I feel that it's been very safe. Of course, we took time off as well during the initial peak um, and uh, instituted a lot of safety precautions that, that people are doing around the country. So whether we've been you know, fortunate uh, that they've been successful, uh, you know, we've not had patients contract COVID from any of our surgeries or our procedures. And here's really the important part. So, you know, it is safe here to do. You're going to have to base that wherever you are on the risk in your area. But I want to say this, that, that the week after we started doing elective procedures at our facility, that very first week, I diagnosed two patients who had been put off from their elective colonoscopies who had colon cancer. And, and so it's really important for us not to neglect patients. Uh, COVID is not the only disease out there. It is important. I mean, we're, we're watching it closely and it is possible that we would be shut down from elective procedures again. Uh, but it, it just reinforces to me that if someone's having chest pain, esophageal cancer, could they have a stricture of their esophagus? So, so don't neglect. Sorry, you were cutting out just a tad, but uh, I think to your point, um, that is very, very important, especially for this, um, this, this audience that we have is don't neglect your health um, right. regardless, right? Uh, and now's the time and it's safe to go into your your doctors. I, I've even talked to some physicians where they say, you're safer to come into, you know, my office or the hospital at, at certain locations, obviously, than it is for you to go to the grocery store sometimes. So, um, so right. that was a really good point. We did have a question that I wanted to try and get your thoughts on. Um, what are your thoughts on doing a TIF on patients who previously were diagnosed with low-grade dysplasia or high-grade dysplasia, but had been treated with either cryo, cryo or RFA and achieved CRIM? Yeah, yeah. I, I think those patients, if they, you know, if they have, if they meet the criteria, I think those patients definitely uh, should have TIF. Yeah, they should definitely have a, a procedure to stop 
further damage. Perfect. Thank you. So, um, well, that was all of the topics that we were going to discuss. Was there anything else that you wanted to um, share with us? Oh, also, can you tell us um, where you're located, your offices, and also how can someone in your area reach you? Um, is it best to call? I believe, yeah, we do have your number on the screen right now, but tell us again what areas you're located. You're, sure. You just opened a new practice, right? In Henderson. Yeah. Yeah, Henderson. So we're located around Nashville. So Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and, you know, we used to be a great place to visit. Uh, hopefully we'll be again soon. Uh, so so my facility is just north of Nashville, where I've been practicing for 20 years. That's where I exclusively have been performing the TIF procedure the last three years. We have an office in Clarksville uh, and we have an office office in Hendersonville, so kind of northern middle Tennessee. Uh, the office number is probably the best way just to call and make an appointment um, and um, and just come in and see me, one of my trained nurse practitioners, physician's assistants. Uh, they can all get you on the right track and get you set up and, again, try to do the right thing for you. And, and again, if you've had a problem or a failure of something in the past, I'd urge you to come here. I've, I've had patients from, from a number of different states uh, come in, uh, from Alabama, from Mississippi, uh, from Kentucky, of course, which is fairly close. Um, and if you just want another opinion, um, then I'm happy to provide that opinion as well. Perfect. We did have one other question that just popped up, and it, they're asking, do you use the second or third generation esophix device? <laughs> I, I use the uh, the newest generation. <laughs> they're, they're actually they're actually about uh, you know five or six uh, evolutions. And I'll tell you, e even when even when I started, uh, since then uh, I had made little adjustments based on physician and patient feedback. So they're very responsive to, to making it continue to evolve and continue to be even better. Perfect. Thank you so much. So again, if you're in the Tennessee area or around that area, even further out, um, you all can visit or call Dr. Goldberg. His number is on the screen. So feel free to give him his office a call and they can schedule an appointment. If you're not in the area and you're looking for a doctor, a TIF uh, specialist, you can go to girdhelp.com. On there, there is a physician finder. You can search by state and or by zip code, and you can just pop in your zip code and you'll be able to find a physician that is near you. Um, Dr. Goldberg, I can't uh, thank you enough. I know we had some te um, technical difficulties tonight. I apologize. Um, but hopefully you got all the information, um, viewers that you, you needed or wanted and answers um, to your questions. And again, Dr. Goldberg, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time uh, to educate um, these potential patients more on GERD, on the TIF procedure, and um, also answer all the questions that we have. So with that said, Thank you very much, Dr. Goldberg. I hope you have a great evening. Every, yeah, thank you. Everybody else, please stay safe, um, and we'll catch you next time. So thank you very much. Have a great night. If you are suffering from chronic acid reflux and want more information, please visit GERDhelp.com or download our GERDhelp mobile app. Thanks for tuning into another episode of TIFF Talk. 
Leave your questions and comments on our social media at GERD Help. Live well, GERD free.